Hello, my dudes, let me tell you, things have been kind of weird lately. Like, I'm doing okay, but oh man, it's really felt like a lot of stuff happened all at once. Is this a Mercury in retrograde? Um, and I'm not even sure where to begin, but Thanks for y'all's patience while I took this extra week to compose myself and to focus on the stuff that I needed to prioritize life-wise. I'm still getting the hang of this podcasting thing, you know. This is only episode four, and hiccups are going to happen along the way, regardless of how long I've been doing this. So, is what it is. Um, yeah. Let's get this going, huh? What has been going on with me? Okay, so let's run through the past few weeks as best I can. Well, one of the odder things that happened is that a, lux a luxury dogware company in Australia, yes, Australia, approached my dog to be an ambassador for their company. Like... What? Seriously? My dog got talent scouted to rep a like dog clothing company and now I've got some of the cutest shit on the way from Australia to Oregon for her to model? What even is that, huh? What is it? Oh my god, it's so weird, but it cracks me up and I love it. Um, to be fair, my dog is incredibly cute. Um, she's just the most beautiful and smallest and reddest dog. So really, I'm not surprised by this. Like, she was due to break out and become a star, obviously. But... Man, I am kind of weirded out by it. It's weird, you know? So I'll have some more details on this whole ambassador program uh, once I've got the products in hand. And I'll have a discount code for you guys if you are so inclined to buy your dog cute shit like I am. Yeah, anyway, that, that's a thing that happened and it's been surreal, relatedly. If you're not following my dog online on social media and you want to be, which you do want to, just search for Irma, spelled I-R-M-A. Uh, her username is Irma the Nugget, and she's on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Very thorough. She's a very thorough dog. Um, so yeah, follow my dog on Instagram, guys. And see just how wonderful she is, because she is my whole life. Apart from comics, obviously. Okay, so dog stuff, that was weird. Last weekend, I think it was last weekend, maybe two weeks ago, I went to the Portland Zine Symposium, which was hosted at the Pacific Northwest College of Arts. I thought that PNCA was a great location for the event, it's PNCA is obviously a local college, so it was kind of in the lobby of the building on the ground floor. Hadn't really been to the space before, but it was very cool and like, you know, just visually, but also it was air conditioned, which was great because it's summer now. And I, I honestly felt that their use of the space, I'm not sure if it was the layout or the space itself or just 
maybe how they they filled it. I don't know, but it, it felt more intimate and a little more personal than the Portland IndieCon that I checked out last month. Yeah, and it even had some of the same creators tabling from the IndieCon to the zine symposium. So that was cool because then like some people that I didn't have the budget to pick up their stuff at the IndieCon, I could pick it up at the symposium. Always nice to have a second chance at that. Uh, I like zine culture. It's never been something I've been super involved in, but I like it. And it's actually, it's got a lot of shared traits to the comics industry, but obviously it's super lo-fi, very independent, very anti-capitalist in some ways, even though, especially when you are a zine creator, you still gotta make some bank payback for supplies and those Xerox copies and whatnot. So it's never necessarily been my creator culture, but it's always held my interest. And to be honest, it's actually making zines is something I'd like to try my hand at sometime. I think it's partly, part of the appeal of zines is that they are just so accessible to everyone of every interest and every skill level. And like, that's part of why you get interested in it, but that's also part of why it's important. Anyone can make a zine. Uh, so yeah. I left with a pretty cute little stack of paper, some really lovely, very sweet stuff that I've enjoyed reading. And you know, those little zines, it's like three bucks, five bucks, eight bucks, whatever, but they've been such a solace to me um, over these past couple weeks. And I think it's really important to make sure that you support independent publication and independent creator culture, even if it's not where you're automatically drawn. Definitely go and maybe you'll surprise yourself and find some new stuff that you really love. So if you are curious about what I specifically picked up, I did post my haul up on Instagram. I might have cross-posted it to Facebook too, but honestly, I've been kind of slacking on cross-posting. Um, but I know it's up on, on Instagram, so check out my Portland Zine Symposium haul. Uh, I tagged creators and publishers as much as I could so you can follow along and maybe find some new accounts to follow on your own. Oh, and what else? So <laughs> I guess there was this whole thing that happened called San Diego Comic-Con. Maybe you've heard of it? I don't know guys. San Diego is Definitely one of those cons that I have never experienced FOMO around. Like, quite the opposite. I find myself avoiding news coming out of San Diego Comic Con. I just, like, anything tagged SDCC for that weekend, week long, I don't know if it starts on Wednesday or Thursday now, but I just, I don't care. I'm going to wait until Tuesday for the wrap-up and best-of posts, and then other people can tell me what's going on because I don't have the brain span to process all of it. There is so much that happens at San Diego, and I'm just, I'm over it. I mean, as any con veteran knows, the actual interesting stuff happens at the hotel bar after the event, and that's where it's at. And beyond that, it's kind of just a bunch of fan service, and I don't want to talk about it. Okay, I actually do need to mention two things. One, I am honestly not excited about Lady Thor. 
I hated that story arc and I stopped reading as soon as we found out who was wielding Mjolnir. I just, uh, that's a longer rant and I'm trying to keep this brief. We've got a lot to cover, um, but I'm just, I'm not excited about it. And I'm not excited about Natalie Portman returning to her role as Jane Foster. I found her really boring, even though Thor The Dark World was, at the time, one of my favorite Marvel movies. Uh, that being said, I am excited that this is the direction that they are taking the Thor name and franchise. And I am excited that Taika Watiti is coming back to direct it. I feel that Taika is precious and we need to protect him at all costs. And we definitely need to support his independent work on movies like the upcoming Jojo Rabbit about a kid whose imaginary best friend is Hitler, I think is the plot of that. And Taika, who is a Jewish indigenous person uh, from New Zealand, is playing Hitler. Yeah, it's a lot. It's going to be a lot. And we need to turn up in droves to support his movie Jojo Rabbit as much as we support Marvel stuff. So Jojo Rabbit is coming out October 18th this year. And this is what he's been doing in between doing Marvel stuff. This is what he's been doing with his Marvel money. So make sure to put that on your calendars because it's going to be weird and it's going to be important. And I'm really looking forward to it. Anyway, I didn't like Lady Thor. I'm sorry. Um, also, my one piece of my favorite, favorite news to come out of San Diego Comic-Con this year is that Mahershala Ali is going to play motherfucking Blade. Oh my god, yes. Fuck yes. I'm so here for it. And honestly, that's all I have to say about that, because what else can you say? Mahershala Ali as Blade. Yes. Okay, so comics. There have been a lot of good comics releases in the past few weeks. There's been so much good shit, and it's part of why I'm kicking myself for recording a week late, because now I have even more comics to talk about. And with everything that's been going on, I am also behind on my reading. But who isn't? So, per the usual, I've been posting my box pulls up on Instagram, and you can check out those posts for the full list of single issues and the occasional graphic novel that I've picked up. <laughs> I honestly don't have time to talk about all of them on this episode, so let's just zoom in on a few that I have particularly enjoyed over these recent weeks. Um, let's start with uh, a recent Black Widow trade paperback called Black Widow No Restraints Play, which was written by Jen and Sylvia Soska. The Soska, meh, Soska sisters, say that five times fast, are well known in modern feminist horror cinema. Uh, they directed, wrote and directed, I believe, uh, cult hits like Ginger Snaps and American Mary. And I was really excited to see that they were penning some comics. And I was honestly quite impressed that they got a gig with someone like Marvel. And on a 
kind of mainstream, well-known character like Black Widow, no less. So, No Restraints Play collects their five-issue run of this newer, newer series, and it gives Natasha a seriously R-rated storyline where she is hunting down a sex trafficking ring in Madripoor. Maybe this plot is a little too relevant or too violent, uh, considering some modern news that we are seeing right now, but if you're the type to turn to comics for escapism, you know, maybe, maybe skip this one for now, but personally, I am definitely looking forward to seeing what the Twisted Twins have brought to one of the most badass female characters in Marvel because they know their audience and they know their genre. Um, so pulling two feminist horror writers into a Marvel character is a very interesting choice and I really am curious to see how this one plays out. And then last week, we got a, finally, finally got a hardcover collection from Dark Horse Comics for William Gibson's Alien 3 series. Yes, I'm talking about that William Gibson, the father of cyberpunk. Uh, this story, uh, what is it? The story goes that Gibson did two script treatments for the third Alien movie. But eventually, everything changed direction, you know, directors changed, things like that, and his screenplay went nowhere. Though it did make some rounds on the internet over these past few years, you know, via Aliens fan groups. So we're jumping ahead a few decades, and now we have this wonderful comic book adaptation. The Aliens 3 story focuses on Hicks and Bishop, as they end up on a new space station and slowly discover that the xenomorph genetics have morphed into a sort of airborne virus that is affecting the crew. So it's a lot different than the alien stories we're familiar with and kind of aligns more with the plot of Prometheus in some ways. But I am definitely glad to have this screenplay finally in a visual format because I was definitely one of those nerds who read the script online some time ago. Um, and I think the comics really did the story justice. Um, but I should also mention that Audible recently did an audiobook adaptation as well, and it features a few of the original cast returning to voice their characters from the original Alien movies. So I will definitely check that out at some time, but I'm pretty slow on my audiobooks as much as my stack of comics, so that's not going anywhere, so I'm not too worried. And, you know, for now, I'm definitely happy to have this Alien 3 hardcover that I can recommend to fans of the Alien books or people who are interested in some unique science fiction. And... Like is usual for Dark Horse, it is only $20 for this very Gibson-esque look at the Aliens universe. Then in Batman news, we have a sequel to Sean Murphy's The White Knight from last year with a new series titled Curse of the White Knight. The first arc dealt with the Joker accidentally being turned sane and bringing his own form of legal justice against Batman, who ended up in jail. 
Honestly, I love recommending The White Knight Story, not just for Sean Murphy, both writing and drawing the book. Anyone who picked up Tokyo Ghost will know how phenomenal Murphy's art is. Um, and honestly, I like recommending it not just for the alternative take on the Batman-Joker relationship, but also because Murphy did something very, very clever with Harley Quinn and her greater essence of Harleen Quinzel and her relationship to the Joker. And it was a wonderful twist that I really appreci appreciated and I really don't want to give that away. So you can get that first White Knight trade paperback at your local comic shop if you want to be a completionist and read the first part first. But I think you should also be able to pick up the first issue of Curse of the White Knight and enjoy this story without all the background because it's definitely its own thing. It's its own story arc. So they're saying that Curse of the White Knight will be an eight issue run, but we'll see because sometimes these things change. Remember how I said in an earlier episode about issue six being the final issue of The Batman Who Laughs? Well, I was wrong because they decided to add one more issue and make it a seven issue run. Of course. So I guess there was just too much story to wrap up in a single issue. And if you've been following Batman Who Laughs in singles, make sure to go pick up a copy of Batman Who Laughs issue seven, the, I'm pretty sure, final issue out this week. And while we're on DC, I want to touch briefly on two new 12-issue maxi-series that started recently. The first is Lois Lane, issue one. Lois Lane is written by Greg Rucka with art by Mike Perkins. Greg is probably my favorite author of strong female protagonists in comics. I've read most of his series from the past decade and I usually find ways to relate to every female lead in his books. Lois Lane is clearly going to be no exception as she takes on not just a corrupt and money-fueled White House, but also slut-shaming because someone caught her smooching on Superman even though she's married to Clark Kent. Oh, the scandal. Then the other issue I want to touch on is Jimmy Olsen issue one which is written by Matt Fraction with art by Steve Lieber. In this series, we see Superman's pal moving to Gotham to, I don't know if they say directly that it's Gotham, but it's Gotham, uh, to continue his haphazard, you know, stunt-based reporting for the Daily Planet, but without the inevitably destructive effects on Metropolis. So pushing all of that catastrophe over to another city, but still having that exclusive Jimmy Olsen report coming through. Issue one was incredibly cheesy. Um, and so it was fun. It was just super fun. Uh, we had a great fourth wall breaking Clark Kent who like kept winking at the camera. Issue one has window bats. Very important to know protocols surrounding window bats. And you know, it's got some moita. Got some moita, sort of, you'll see. So yeah, Lois Lane is kind of an obvious pick for me and Jimmy Olsen less so, but I think I'll stick with both because it's honestly great to have Jimmy's slapstick levity alongside Lois's crack reporting. And I look forward to seeing where they take 
both of these characters. Also, I want to point out that if you enjoy nerdy podcasts, and I think you might, you should check out episode 506, 506 of Geek in the City podcast, because they had Matt Fraction on as a guest, and it was great to hear him converse, not just specifically about his work on the Jimmy Olsen comic, but also talk about his opinions on the comic book industry at large and on working with DC. So if you like information and creator perspective, pull up geekinthecity.com and listen to issue 506 and maybe a few more because they're good people and super nerdy and I think you'll enjoy the show. So yeah, what else we got? What else? Oh, some Punisher news. So much to the surprise of some, maybe you guys are starting to catch on to this, but I'm actually a huge Punisher fan and I have been prior to John Bernthal's lovely portrayal of the character on Netflix. Last week, I picked up the annual issue to the current run on Punisher. Uh, the series is currently being penned by Matthew Rosenberg, who himself grew up on Punisher comics, and I think he's doing a great, great job with the character, pulling him back to his roots, and tackling some very interesting topics, like about how police, corrupt police forces, have co-opted the Punisher logo. Um, that was discussed in a recent issue, and that was pretty great. Yeah, so I'm... <laughs> it's funny, I'm loving what Matthew Rosenberg is doing with Punisher right now, but I'm not currently collecting this run of singles, and it's largely a budgetary issue for me. I don't know, so sometimes you gotta pick and choose and you gotta make some hard choices. But I've picked up a couple issues here and there, um, and I would definitely recommend the series. And I would recommend the annual issue that came out last week, which is not written by Matthew Rosenberg, but is instead penned by Carla Pacheco. I think I said that right. I hope I did. So I picked up this annual, um, and it's as funny and irreverent as Carla is herself. Um, it's honestly a laugh a minute. So if you want a good giggle over Frank Castle and J. Jonah Jameson in space, definitely pick up this annual. Or if you just want to keep Frank Castle's Punisher logo underwear, it's got some of that for you too. You know, it's the equal opportunity fan service. And while you are there supporting your local comic shop, see if they also have a book that came out last week called Punisher Return to Big Nothing. This trade paperback, it's like 200 odd pages. Um, it reprints a few classic Punisher tales, including one of my favorites. It's the first in the book, Return to Big Nothing. So if you have interest in the character but haven't gotten around to reading some of the older stuff, um, some of the stuff that maybe was inspiring Matthew Rosenberg that he was reading when he was a kid, definitely pick up Return to Big Nothing. It's a great place to start. And it's only 25 bucks. Not bad. Moving on, we've got some X-Men news. Yes, you heard me. I'm going to talk about some X-Mans. Now, this one's tricky. Um, the X-Family of books is probably my weakest area in comics. And try as I might, I just haven't been able to break into readership on this series. On any X-Series. I don't know. Uh, it's just 
too much history and drama and interconnected storylines, and I can never wrap my brain around it. Um, I'm almost envious of people who really love X-Men because I just don't understand it. So here we are. Um, Jonathan Hickman is taking over the franchise. And tentatively, the news is good. Reviews are good for what he's doing. Last week, we saw the premiere of Hickman's X stuff with House of X issue one. And then this week, we'll have Powers of X issue one. So both of these are, I believe, six issue runs and bi-weekly. So they'll be leapfrogging each other in terms of release dates. But you're kind of expected to be reading both as they are both leading up to a new main X-Men series, which the whole thing sounds to me like a bit of a cash grab on Marvel's part. But I also appreciate the quick pace to get everyone ready for the big new thing. I haven't read either issue yet, but I will give them both a shot. Just, you know, so I understand what they're doing with the series. Uh, flipping through House of X, it definitely looks good. It looks like it has a lot of hick of, <laughs> I almost said Hickma graphics. Um, it looks like it has a lot of infographics, which is something that Hickman is definitely well known for, especially if you pull back to some of his earlier work, like the Nightly News. Uh, he comes from a graphic design background, so infographics is where Hickman is at. And it might just be what I need to understand everything going on in an X book. But I don't know. I love Hickman's indie work. Sometimes I felt his more mainstream stuff just becomes too complex for me. So we'll see. I do know a few non ex-readers who are definitely stoked for the new series and liked that first House of X. But then I also know some longtime X fans who were kind of underwhelmed. So only time will tell, but it is worth a shot, which either whichever side of the fence you're coming from on this one. Oh my god. You guys, is that enough comic stop for this episode? Ooh, I think it's enough. I think we got all our comic spaces covered. I'm definitely feeling some guilt for the stack of reading that's waiting for me. <laughs> so just remember that if I mentioned a book that's come out recently that is not available at your local comic shop, just ask them to order it for you. Most comics retailers are happy to do so or can at least tell you when they expect to have more in and available on the shelf. So never hurts to ask. Remember that. I definitely threw a lot of titles at you there. So... Hit me up if you have any more questions. You guys know how to get in touch. One other thing that has happened in, in these past few weeks since my last episode, uh, y'all probably remember that Harry Potter game that I've been playing on my phone. It's called Wizards Unite. It's by Niantic, who also made the Pokemon Go app. Well, they are having a fan event in Indianapolis at the end of August. And it was a little tricky to make the scheduling work, but I bought tickets and I'm going with a couple of friends and we're gonna be wizard as fuck. Yes. So we're gonna be there two nights over the weekend, um, though we will only be doing the Sunday day of the event. So only one day of wizarding. 
and it'll be nice to have a little extra time to sleep and maybe go sightseeing and eat a lot of good food. Very much looking forward to this, um, both in terms of the Harry Potter Wizards Unite game, but also just hanging out and having some bro time with my friends. It's going to be fun. Uh, this fan event will be the first time that dragons are seen in-game, and if there is one thing in life I love, it's dragons. I love dragons. Okay, well, and my dog. I love my dog, and I love dragons. And comics. And this lamp. And this ashtray. And this lamp. And my dog. And I love dragons. It's going to be a good time, and I'm looking forward to experiencing and documenting what is perhaps one of my nerdiest adventures to date. Oh my god, I can't wait. Okay, well, I think it's time to wrap things up. And before we go, I want to give a little shout out to my girl, Dana. I met Dana Thompson 10 years ago when she played Lieutenant Uhura for a Shakespeare in the Park style production of a classic Star Trek episode called Trek in the Park. I became fast friends with the whole Trek in the Park crew and Dana's welcoming and inclusive attitude was a big part of that. Well, Dana passed away very suddenly a couple of weeks ago and it's really shaken our nerdy little community here in Portland and beyond Portland, I'm sure, because I know her work has touched so many over the years. Uh, she was a lot of little girls' first Lieutenant Uhura that they experienced their first time seeing Star Trek. Uh, she's their Uhura. And she was an incredible advocate for Black women and had become an outspoken voice for Black women in the workplace and for equal rights and equal opportunity. And she was just an advocate for not being a dick in general and for being the kindest person you could be. She sang in a rad as fuck punk band called Dark Gun and Vignettes. And she knew how to throw down on the dance floor and she knew how to live. Uh, she is somebody that I have always looked up to and admired for her attitude. And Dana, I love you and I'm not gonna forget you. Okay, folks, uh, that's it from me. Hug your friends, hug your pets, be kind to yourself and to others, and don't forget to pick up your comics. Okay, I'll talk to you guys in a couple weeks. Bye. This has been Merrick Has Issues, produced and edited by Merrick Monroe. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please throw in a rating, too, if you feel like it. It really helps other people find the show. For news and announcements and additional content, you can follow the podcast online. I'm Merrick Has Issues on both Facebook and Instagram, and Twitter is NHI Podcast. The theme music for Merrick Has Issues is provided by Keelan King from his Star Pilot Remixes album. 
You can learn more about this episode and find my show notes at merrickhasissues.com. 